Hello, and welcome to the Renaissance Podcast. Thank you for joining us to worship and learn more about God as we all pursue Him together as a community. For more podcasts and services about past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendecatur.org. Or come connect with us in person on Sunday mornings in downtown Decatur. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning, church. And my name is Rick Welton, and I serve on the church council. And uh, I'm going to read our scripture for this morning. Um, It's in Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25, titled, Jesus Calms a Storm. One day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he woke and rebuked the wind and the raging winds, and they ceased. And there was a calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? The word of the Lord. I, um, I remember when I found my life at a crossroads, both physically and spiritually. And it was in that moment that I realized that I was going to have to make some changes in my life or I couldn't go on this way any longer. Now, some of you in the room know that I have managed chronic anxiety disorder and seasons of depression throughout my entire life. I'm 53 years old. I know that old. And I've been doing this since I was 11 years old. And um, my anxiety, my depression became real intense when I was in college. I am amazed, literally amazed, that I graduated considering how challenging those words, those uh, years were for me. But that is not the time of my life that I'm remembering. No, this was a decade after college. I'd become a Christian, and I was in ministry. In fact, not only that, I was, I was a pastor of this church. This church was rapidly growing. We were, had grown up to three services. We were going through our first ever building project. You were sitting in the fruit uh, of that building project. We had raised about $500,000 in cash, secured another $1.2 million from a local bank, and we were in the thick of it, meeting with contractors, builders, city officials, you name it. The construction had begun. Our new offices were just over here on the third floor, but we are still building out this space right here. We are still having three gatherings downstairs. How many people remember the gatherings downstairs in the main room? OG, come on, let's go, somebody. That's right, yep. <laughs> Welcome all the visitors here. <laughs> but we had three services downstairs, 8, 9, 30, and 11, just to cram everybody into the room as we could. When one service ended, you had about 20 minutes or so to say hi to a few people, go to the restroom, and maybe take a few minutes to sit down and relax before it all started again. And the event that I described to you happened during the break between the 9.30 and the 11 o'clock services for me. 
I just preached two services. Courageously, I'd overcome my introverted tendencies and chatted up a few visitors. Hello, hello. And then I hurried upstairs to my office to sit on my couch for just a few moments of quiet before the last service of the day. And then I was going to go home. I was going to eat some chicken wings, and I was going to take a nap. Somebody say amen. But while I'm sitting on the couch in my office, my Apple Watch notified me that my stress level was a little high. <laughs> and it prompted me to consider doing a breathing exercise. So I tapped, sure, why not? And it, it walked me through some text prompts, guided me to take a deep breath for five seconds and to hold it and then to slowly exhale. And I was supposed to do this over the next two or three minutes. And all of this is intended to slow down my heart rate, increase the oxygenation of my blood, and hopefully lower my stress. And yet I never made it to the end of the exercise. At some point during my second or third cycle of deep breathing, I began to realize that I couldn't catch my breath at all. With my watch beeping commands to breathe in, two, three, four, and breathe out, six, seven, eight, I began to panic. It may have been my imagination, but the room suddenly began to, to swirl and to get warmer, and my feet faltered beneath me, and my breathing was now so fast that you'd have thought I sprinted the length of a soccer pitch. And I was getting scared, thinking that at any moment I was going to pass out. And then, and then, just on cue, the band started the song of the next service. And I could hear the bass rumble up three floors in my office. And a well-rehearsed timer in my mind started a, clock, a countdown. In less than 17 minutes, I needed to be on stage and preach the goodness of God to another group of strangers in front of me. And yet there I was, in my office, on my knees, crying, not knowing how I was going to continue. A friend of mine once told me that our physical conditions, like our physical health, is really a representation of our spiritual condition. And I don't know if that's true or not. I don't even know if it's biblical or not. I just know this. If it was true, then I was in a bad way, both physically and spiritually. I didn't even fully understand how bad it was. Besides having a panic attack in my upstairs office, I'd also been having trouble sleeping. And you, you don't, if you don't know me very well, I, if I have a superpower, it is sleeping. <laughs> like it's the one thing like I excel at. I have no trouble falling asleep. I have no trouble staying asleep. When I drive and run into a train, you guys complain. I put my car in park and take a nap. I do not care. Like seriously, I just park and nap until the car behind me reminds me, beep, beep, you're supposed to be driving right now. And this season of my life that began in my office some four or five years ago began a life journey for me, a change in the journey that God had for me. And I was learning it the hard way. I learned that if I continued to run at full speed for, for extended periods, I was going to do damage. This journey showed me that there's no spiritual prize for succeeding in ministry or work at the expense of your health and your wellness. And it's a journey that I continue to walk on today, hoping to grow in my understanding of the impact that rest has on our lives. I uh, love John's verse out of Matthew this morning that Jesus invites us into his rest. And that has been a, become a life verse for me in this season. Rest is such an important aspect for us to, to embrace that it is so important, in fact, God even commands it in the Bible. That he commands that we rest. It's not just a good idea, we would say. It is God's idea for human flourishing. 
while making her case for resisting the abuse of workers in an unchecked capitalistic society, Trisha Hersey argues this, rest is in fact a divine right for us and it allows us to reclaim our bodies as our own. And as we'll discuss today, sleep is a major component of rest. But rest is more than sleeping, do you hear me? Rest is more than sleeping, but sleeping is a part of rest. Sleep, we know, involves both the physical and the mental properties of our bodies, but it also affects a spiritual component of our beings as well. On the physical side, we know now that when we sleep, it gives our bodies time to heal and to restore. At the cellular level, they're repairing themselves during this time. Dr. Michael Tweery says this. He's a sleep expert. He says, sleep affects almost every tissue in our bodies. It affects growth and stress hormones. It affects our immune system, our appetite, and breathing, blood pressure, and cardiovascular health. All of this takes place. This healing and restoration takes place while we sleep. And on the mental health side, we know that the lack of sleep impairs our higher levels of reasoning and problem solving. It can affect our mood. <laughs> yes. It can, it can affect how we interact with others, and a pro prolonged sleep, sleep deficit can put us at a greater risk for developing depression. Sleep also plays a part in our spiritual lives, too, and that's really where I want to focus today. We might even say that sleep is a spiritual discipline. <laughs> it's the one I can do well. Let's go. I don't pray much. I never fast. Can you tell? But every day I sleep. Come on, Jesus, somebody. It is a spiritual discipline. We could say that the way we think about sleep and how we embrace sleep, it's a way for us to enter into God's rest for us. It's part of our Christian formation and it's part of our maturity. And you might think that's a strange statement, but let me get there. Pastor David Mathis creatively restated the Apostle John's line when he said this, the word became flesh and slept among us. Many of you will recognize that line from John 1.14, which just says this, the word, meaning the person of Jesus Christ, he became flesh and dwelt among us. You've heard that. Well, Pastor Mathis takes that word and says, Jesus slept among us. See, a crucial aspect of the Son of God leaving heaven and coming to earth involved in him becoming a man, to, to become incarnated, to take on flesh, to become a human. And part of him becoming a man meant that he had to go through and endure all of the things that we have to go through and endure. And just like every other person that has disturbed the dirt on this earth, he experienced everything that we experience, including the need. Jesus had a need for sleep. And as certain as that is, we only have one reference to Jesus sleeping in all of Scripture. And Rick just read it for us. It's in Luke chapter 8. Jesus is on a boat snoring while the boat is sinking in the middle of the lake. There are dozens and dozens of verses describing Jesus' ministry and his miracles and his wonders, repeated stories of his compassion and even his critique of heavy-handed religious leaders. But there is one verse describing his, this aspect of his humanity, of his sleep. We know Jesus had emotions. He got hungry. He got thirsty. He even closed his eyes after a long day, and he slept. Just like us, one-third of his time here on earth was spent laying on his back unconscious to what was happening around him. This is Jesus we speak of. Imagine how much more Jesus could have done if he didn't have to sleep. 
I suspect our Bibles would swell another 300 pages or so with all of the extra stories of his life and his ministry. Now imagine how much more we could accomplish if we didn't have to shut down for eight hours every night. Think of the second careers that we would all start, the extra paychecks that we would receive that would come in. We could buy the bigger house, get the third car. Gross, third car. Ouch, sorry. We could pay off our student loans. Someone say amen. We could even, wait for it, we could even serve God more. What if we didn't have to shut down and sleep? We could spend more time in prayer and we wouldn't doze off in the middle of our petitions to God, anyone? We could volunteer in the church, wait a minute. We could help out the needy in our community, whoa, too far. And we could usher in the kingdom of God through our tireless actions because we wouldn't grow weary nor faint. But in actuality, we cannot do this. Why? Because we have to sleep. And Jesus couldn't either. See, God in his providence and in his infinite wisdom, he designed humanity to need to sleep. Just like our need for air and for water and for food, we are dependent upon sleep, which makes us all in the room wonder why. Why does an all-knowing God who is perfect in every decision, would you agree that God is perfect in every decision that he makes? I don't believe you. Yes. Front row, come down. Yes, we believe God is perfect in every decision he makes, and yet he fashioned our bodies in such a way that sleep becomes necessary. At the very least, we must admit that God knew what he was doing. Yeah, and his intricate design of our bodies is available for us to explore and to seek understanding, not just how it works, but why does it work the way that it does? And the answers to those questions it leads us to a greater knowledge and an understanding of the one who created us. Just as our need of sleep forces us to rest, which aids our physical and mental bodies, certainly our need for sleep serves some spiritual purpose in our life as well. Would you agree? This is my, my hypothesis. This is what I think. God wants to show us something in sleep about himself and about ourselves in understanding that. So our first order of understanding comes from this. We learn that sleep is, in fact, a godly gift for us. Let me say that again. Sleep is a gift from God towards us. Psalm 127. Psalm 127 says this. We'll put the words back here. You can follow there. Take notes if you want. But the psalmist writes this, verse 2. It says, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. Oh, my gosh. Is he describing 21st century America? Oh, my gosh. But then he says this, for he who God gives to his beloved sleep. Every gift, as you know, is to be received. And the gift of sleep, of the necessity of sleep rather, is no different. No one here wants to give a gift to someone that they adore only to observe their annoyed and dismissive nose curling at it. Have we really outgrown our toddler mentality of sleep aversion? Or do we continue just shouting in our minds, I don't want to go to sleep right now. I got too many things to do. I have a big test tomorrow. I got to prepare for that project. I can't sleep right now. Like a two-year-old batting our hand, fists at the, the sky, cursing God who makes us tired. But sleep for us becomes a limit in our lives. And we try to overcome it 
with caffeine and tasks that we deem more important. And yet, at some point, we all shut down and sleep's authority bangs its gavel, overruling our decision to work harder and accomplish more. Sleep bends us and conforms us under its will, just like God intended it to. Sleep can reveal a part of our lives that help us to understand God more. But first we need to see it for what it is. It is a gift from him. And if you have babies, you agree with that statement. God never sleeps, the scripture tells us. This is what Psalm 121 tells us. The psalmist here, verse 3 and 4 says this, that he, God, will never let your foot be moved. He, God, who keeps you will not slumber. Verse 4, and behold, he who keeps Israel, which is a description of God's people in the Old Testament, he will neither slumber nor sleep. This is speaking about God. God, hear me, does not need to sleep. One way to say this is that God does not lack anything. Amen? Sleep is not necessary for God. Otherwise, he would do it. But he made you and he made me and he custom built us in such a way to accentuate our neediness before him. Sleep then is a wonderful tutor underlining the words on the whiteboard that say, you are not God. So when the yawns contagiously spread around the classroom or the home or the church sanctuary, just so you know, I see them all. You try to do this and hide your face, but I see it. When they spread around the church sanctuary, we are again reminded of our lack. The lack, this lack or this need is crucial for us to understand that we are in fact the inverse to God's perfection. Pastor John Piper said it this way, once a day God sends us to bed like patients with a sickness. The sickness is a chronic tendency to think that we are in control and that our work is somehow indispensable. And to cure us of this disease, God turns us into helpless sacks of sand once a day. How humiliating to the self-made corporate executive that he has to give up all control and become as limp as a suckling infant every night. So we first understand that there's a need for sleep and that it's a gift from God. Next, we need to understand how sleep can communicate our trust, our trust, our faithfulness in who God is. And in Luke chapter eight, we see this taking place. Jesus is sleeping on the boat. Would you guys like to hear a trick question? Let's just break, just like, just for levity. Can I stop, can I stop teaching for a moment? Just ask a question. I tell you this now in advance, it's a trick question. So the answer that you think is the answer is not the answer. Okay, so there's a story in the Bible. I asked all my staff this question, my entire worship team this question. Uh, like everyone I ran into this week, I asked this question. And only one person got it right. Only one person. So the, the bar is way high. Here's the question. And it's a true story. In the Bible, there's a story of a boat crossing a lake. And in the boat, there's some people on the boat. Right, and all of a sudden, the winds raise up and the wind starts blowing against the boat and the boat begins to take on water so much that it begins to sink or they think that it's gonna sink and the people are losing their minds, but there's one person asleep at the front of the boat. Who's that person asleep in the boat? It's Jonah. Do you know the story of Jonah from the Old Testament? 
Uh, see, it's a trick question. Everyone thinks it's Jesus, it's Jonah. And if you read the story of Jonah, Jonah sleeping in the boat is the same story of Jesus sleeping in the boat. It's just retold again. When they were losing their minds, they go to Jonah and say, you, you can fix this. Your God can fix this. And they try to wake up Jonah. And he's like, ugh. And, and then Jonah offers himself as a sacrifice to stop the storm. Jonah is Jesus. or Jesus is the full Jonah. When the disciples try to wake up Jesus, Jesus just rebukes the wind. And like the black preacher once said, and the wind stood sentinel when Jesus spoke. And the waves lapped at his fingers like a mangry or mangy dog when Jesus speaks. Jesus controls everything. You do not. You cannot. So Luke 8, we see Jesus. Thank you for that. That was fun. Uh, That's fun for me. Maybe not for you, but... Jesus is sleeping on the boat and everyone is terrified. The story shows us that Jesus has this trust in God. It is not uncommon for storms to sweep across the lake and rush in while the boats were still out to sea. The disciples, many of them, um, were fishermen, trained fishermen. They knew this and they stayed awake just in case something like that would happen. Jesus, on the other hand, (laughs) I love him. I love him. I do. Jesus, on the other hand, went to bed. Whether his trust was in the nautical skills of his apprentices or whether he trusted God who was sovereign over everything, it didn't matter. He went to bed knowing that God is in control. So when you and I and we lay down our heads in our beds, we too have a choice to make. We can go to bed worried and go to bed concerned about everything not getting done while we waste time sleeping it away. We can go to bed fretting over all of the broken parts of our lives, just almost in prayer asking God to fix it, right? Or we can follow the lead of our Lord Jesus and we can sleep like God is in control and that God won't take his eyes off of us. And perhaps it's only after we consciously relent our control and give to God, which he never intended us to have, is it in that moment that we can finally enter into his rest. This rest, a divine rest designed to rejuvenate and restore our bodies, and I would argue, even our souls. And each morning as we rehearse the future resurrection, taking in the breath of a new day, we wipe away the sleep from the corners of our eyes and we realize that God did not falter while we slept. In fact, the world continued to buzz without you. Praise God. For for Jesus, rather, sleeping become an act of submission to God's will. It meant that he received God's gift and he used it for its designed purpose. So while his heart rate slowed and his breaths deepened towards slumber, Jesus set apart his sleep as an act of trust in God. And we can do the same. Jesus showed us how to sanctify our sleep or to set it apart, to make it holy. And we can glorify God every night in our PJs. Someone say amen. But that's not all. Jesus teaches us more about sleep. Jesus um, not only sanctified sleep, but he sacrificed sleep for us too. Many times in scripture, we read where Jesus would forego sleep to pray or spend time with God the Father. Again, Pastor David Mathis writes this, when the time came, Jesus was willing to deny himself. And he was 
sorry, Jesus willing to deny himself God's good gift in sleep in pursuit of something greater. That he does not bow his knee to the sleep, but rather to his father. Which just means this, that sometimes he would just forego sleep so that he could commune with God, that he could pray with God. Sometimes God will call us to pray. And I'm talking not those short little prayers that we say throughout the day. All of us do those things probably, right? We, I'm talking there are time when God, times when God will call us into a season of, of deep surgical prayer. Like, like, <laughs> like you can't, God can't do the work in you without your partnership in him through prayer. Like there's an incredible lesson for many of us to be learned spent in seasons of prayer and to do so costs us something. And oftentimes it will cost us our sleep. Just by a show of hands, this is not an official poll, but how many people in this room at some point in your life woke early so that you could pray for something important? Just raise up your hand, yeah. And how, how many people stayed up late to pray with others, even though you were tired? Or maybe, here's one, that maybe you're at the hospital with someone going through a situation and you really were exhausted, but you stayed with them because they were going through something and you stayed to pray. How many people have done that? Yeah, and, and Jesus has shown us that example as well. He does that too. Sometimes when God calls us to pray, he requires us to give up sleep, even when we want to sleep, but we know there's a need to pray instead. So the gift of sleep can be sacrificed. We can offer it back to the Lord as a, as a gift of communion with him. Um, what's so interesting is I started working on this sermon. I mentioned earlier, if I have a superpower, it is the ability to sleep, right? And I start studying for this message, and I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. This week, I have struggled to sleep. <laughs> Why are you giggling, Kim? <laughs> That is like a cruel cackle. But I hear, I feel your heart. Because she knows. Because she knows. Because the Lord wants to teach me something. And so I remember the other day, I, um, I was exhausted. I didn't get much sleep the night before. And it's like you go home from work that day and you're like, I'm going to go to bed early, anyone? And you feel the AARP like knocking on your door as you go to bed at seven. <laughs> no one else, just me. <laughs> I have gone to bed with the sun still up. I'm just saying. And I was going to do that. And I'm writing on my, uh, working on my sermon here, and I'm doing some things. And, um, you know, 9.30 rolls around. I'm like, I should probably go to bed. But I, I do not feel tired. So I'll stay up a little bit longer. It's become 10. Then it's 11. Then it's 1. Then it's 2. And at some point, this is where my wife gets involved. And she's like, Jeff, you have to go to bed. I, I couldn't shut my brain off. And then the other night, the night after that, I go to bed and I'm, I wake up at 3 a.m. Anybody get up at 3 a.m.? Right? And I cannot go back to sleep. And this, this never happens to me. And so I'm laying there. All of this information is in my brain running around. And all of a sudden it hits me. The Lord's like, Jeff, I want you to pray for this. I want you to pray that this idea of rest and knowing me more through sleep, I want you to pray that you have an understanding of this. You cannot stand in front of people and tell them the benefits of this if you haven't figured this out on your own. I once heard a preacher say, I never want to stand in a pulpit and lie, and nor do I. And so I, I prayed. 
And if you've ever had this moment happen to you where you just wake in the middle of the night and rather than flipping for your phone or for the remote or whatever to just try to numb your brain back to sleep, if you pray, if you've done this, sometimes as soon as you're done praying, you go right back to sleep. Anyone? Right? Yes, this is what God is asking us and inviting us into. And we'll try to medicate it away with Instagram reels. Ouch. No? <laughs> I'm never sitting in the front row again, is what you're thinking. <laughs> I don't blame you. We try to numb ourselves through something else. So we can sanctify our sleep, receive it as the gift that it is. We can sacrifice our sleep. It's all for the Lord's glory. What if God is presenting us with an opportunity to lead our, um, to follow the lead rather of our Lord Jesus, and that when He gives us sleepless nights, we can give Him we can give Him prayer in return, and He could do that surgical work inside of us. Um, don't underestimate the ways that God speaks to us. Don't underestimate just because you're unconscious that God stops talking, because He's not sleeping. And I, there are many people in this room, some of you I know personally, who hear the Lord speak to them in dreams and visions. I guess visions would be while you're awake, but dreams in particular. That, that many people will hear from the, they'll wake up having worked through something in their mind while they are totally unconscious that God was working this out. Anyone here seeing this? Just for the record, we are Pentecostal. We believe in this sort of stuff. So the Holy Spirit is amazing. All right, so I have learned as I'm closing here several important truths since I experienced this men mental health crisis in my office about five years ago. First, had I been diagnosed with cancer, I would have instantly been surrounded by people who loved me and they would have prayed for me and they would have cared for me. They would have met my immediate needs with prayer and practical help and I would have rode on their shoulders of all those people willing to carry the burden with me. But instead... I suffered alone. Without a full understanding of what was happening to me, I had no idea how to ask for help. I didn't even know this. I'm telling you, this is only five years later have I realized that I, what, what I was experiencing in that year, six months or so, was a mental health crisis. Crisis. And I suffered alone through it. I didn't know what it was. Secondly, the second thing I learned, I learned that God was right there with me. He was the one who intervened and he encouraged me to begin a two-year-plus journey into finding what rest actually is. I've learned that no amount of overworking myself will produce anything other than frustration, ill temperance, and burnout. My limitations are not a hindrance to me, but a reminder of my need for God and his limitless ability to produce through me more than I could possibly imagine. My work then becomes trust. My work is faith. My work is to believe that God is going to produce what he wants. And lastly, I learned that progress through all of this is quite slow, but it eventually comes. So even with the medication that I take to limit the panic episodes that I have, praise God for that. And for counseling twice a month, I just met with my counselor last week. I've booked out 2024. I go twice a month for counseling. And it's like a little pressure relief valve. I talk about all y'all to my counselor. He doesn't, like these people are the worst. You have no idea. I'm just joking. But it's like a little pressure relief valve. It's like I don't carry it all myself now. God has given me a trained professional, a believer, a brother, a brother in Christ who listens to me and gives me coping skills. 
He helps me wipe away my emotional whiteboard every other week in faithfulness to God. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. Say amen. He empowers me to make better choices and to live a healthier life. Physically and spiritually, I continue to grow, and for that I'm thankful. And as hard as it was to go through that experience I had um, in my office five years ago, God has used it to realign my life, and for that I praise him. And I want you to know that he can do the same for you. I know people here are considering a lot of the things that I said. Some of you think I'm full of crap, and that's fine too. Um, but for others, it's, it's, it's speaking to you. So I want to give you a couple things that you can consider as we leave today. Some applications, if you will. First off, we need to prioritize rest in our lives. It needs to become something we take seriously. It's not an extra thing. It is a reminder of your need for God, and the need for sleep comes from him. So you are limited in what you can do. Make it a point to prioritize both physical and spiritual rest in your life. For you, it might be setting apart half an hour this week, next week, a lunch break. You get an hour for lunch break, you don't have to eat tacos the full 60 minutes. You can, praise the Lord, you can, right? But you can take 15 of that and you can, and you can pray. You can meditate. You can lift up your family in prayer. You can just exercise spiritual muscles. You don't have to waste it all. Use it and rest spiritually. Number two, you can trust in God's sovereignty. It just means that God's in control of everything. Nothing escapes his grasp or his understanding. Reflect on that story of Jesus sleeping through the storm. I know I didn't preach through that passage, but think about that. Why was he asleep and everyone else awake? Did he, what did he know that they didn't know? And then ask the Lord, say, Lord, I want that too. Like when everyone else is screaming fire or whatever's going on in your life, when everyone's losing their ever-loving minds, you can be the one that's just not. And God leads us into that. Trust God's sovereignty. Learning to sleep and rest well, it, it strengthens that muscle. And sanctify your sleep. Follow Jesus' example and view sleep as more than just a physical necessity. Consider it an intentional act of trust and glorification of God in your life. Last night as I laid down to sleep, I thanked him for the first time ever, I think. Like I'm laying in bed going, God, I thank you that I, I've hit my limit for the day. I'm closing my eyes now. I'll see you tomorrow. And he's like, deuces. And I close my eyes and I just, I'm like, whatever. It's it. That's it. I'm like, but I can, I can sanctify my sleep. It can matter to you more than it does. Because I know you probably don't think about sleep often. You can embrace sacrificial prayer. Challenge yourself to occasionally sacrifice sleep for extended and deep prayer. Give it to the Lord. I know this is my limit, but I'm going to give you an hour, Lord. I'm going to give you an hour. And watch God see your faith, expand your trust and knowledge of who he is, and change your life. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you. We know as we conclude our time here together, that we can lift our hearts with gratitude and thankfulness. Thank you for reminding us, Lord, to prioritize the rest, both in our physical and our spiritual lives. And help us, God, to trust in your sovereignty. And help us to follow the example of Jesus by 
even sacrificing our sleep when you call us to prayer. We know that you're at work in our lives. Help us to not just medicate it away with television shows or smartphone apps and all kinds of things. But Lord, we commit to supporting um, the mental health issues within our community. God, that was a, we missed that five years ago, and I don't want to miss it again for others, Lord. So just help us to foster an openness and an understanding in our community. There's no shame in mental illness. There's no shame in going there just as real as someone battling cancer. And so, Lord, we just, we know that our world needs help, and we want to be a church that helps. And so lastly, Lord, we express our gratitude for all of the lessons that we learned and we acknowledge your faithfulness to us and the transformative power of relying on you and trusting you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to support you and have you be a part of our community. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. There you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, and even contribute to the growth of the church through online giving. Or you can come see us in person on Sunday mornings in downtown Decatur. We can't wait to see you.